We are back during this very, I would say, transformative time for everyone with a special episode with a bunch of really amazing guests. And I actually have a co-host today. It's not Agatha, but just as special as Agatha, it's Steve. <laughs> just as special. Oh, man. Just as special. Just as special. I've been, I've been I, waiting a, a long time to hear that. <laughs> I mean, you and I just participated on a a project that just came out. And that's what today's episode is all about. It's all about Unbreakable Volume 1. Um, you and I are writers and editors on a brand new collection of Asian myth and folklore-themed adventures written for 5th edition D&D. And as of today, April 14th, it is now out for digital download on DriveThruRPG.com. It's so exciting. It's like, ah, it's here. It I know. It, it happened. It, it's, it's finally here. There is actually a, a series of adventures that weren't written by white people <laughs> that feature Asian themes. There's actually 10 tier one to four D&D adventures. So there is an adventure for any character level, but also for any style of gameplay. Because you and I both wrote adventures that are on they're extremely different from one another not not only in their theme but in their gameplay yes yeah right and this is also your your first very 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 first ttrpg publication yep this is this this is how i broke (laughs) into the industry i'm famous now you're famous i I mean you were famous before that's true yeah no people always want to talk to me so people i'm also I'm also, i'm also very humble you're also super humble. It's why we wanted you on Dungeons and Asians. I was like, remember that guy, Steve, who we met at Breakout Con? So humble. <laughs> so so shy, so quiet and reserved. That That's the kind of person I want. Perfect. And we got you. Great. Okay, so before we get to our interviews, because we're actually going to be interviewing two writers on the project, but both have made significant contributions to this I will say groundbreaking volume. You and I have spent every, the past three Fridays slowly, and I say I say slowly, reading through Oriental Adventures, the AD&D version of it. And I would say the last two hours of our reading has been the most positive, but the first four hours was, was pretty emotionally draining. Oh, yeah. And people are constantly asking us, A, when is the Dungeons and the Asians book coming out? And we always say, TBD because we're taking our time. Um, but B, people are asking, well, are there works that you would feel comfortable pointing us towards? And now we can finally say, go buy yourself a copy of Unbreakable. Not because we contributed, but because this is the kind of publication that the community needs right now. We're, you know, we're living at a time, and you and I were talking off air about this. We're living at a time when there is a lot of mis- a lot of distrust, a lot of hate, and a lot of violence towards Asian people right now. And I'll say particularly East Asian people right yeah. now because of COVID-19. And you know, there, there isn't a lot of positivity out there, uh, especially in the spaces that we occupy. And now we have Unbreakable, which is the most positive thing that could happen to the Asian D&D community, uh, an anthology of really cool adventures that feature Asian themes that were written by Asian writers 
and were illustrated by Asian artists. This is a, a true own voice project. I and love that own voice. It just, it feels so good. It feels so good. It's, it's like, you know, people aren't writing for us. And that's the thing. It's like, oh, I just, I really love Japan and I wanted to honor my love of Japan and I wanted to write about it. No, 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 no. <laughs> right? This is, this is an own voice project. This is what, you know, these are our experiences put to paper and put to the most popular tabletop RPG of all time. Right? Yeah. So I want to know, like, and I'm sure the audience, everybody who listens to this should buy a copy. And they're going to be flipping through this digital right now. Uh, print copies are coming out soon. But they're going to be flipping through this digital PDF and they're going to be like, okay, I want to play Daniel's Adventure and I want to play Steve's Adventure. What is Steve's Adventure? Okay, Hearts of Flame at Lanbiang. Yes. Like, what is that? So when I, when I first joined this project, uh, I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to do a really cool, crunchy dungeon crawl. Uh, I really like that. I haven't written one in a long time. Let's do it. I built in a whole bunch of special mechanics used to solve puzzles and also like kill enemies. But I think it was like in my first little little bit of writing it, I began realizing that um, it is what it is. They could really be slotted anywhere. And then through conversations with all the other writers, all the other creators in the project, uh, I realized I was really holding back. I was basically making something that was very inoffensive, very like, here it is. Everyone can really enjoy this. But the whole, at least for me, the whole point of this project was to just be unabashedly Asian, right? Just like write whatever you want, sing the song in your heart, just go for it. So I took that idea of this dungeon crawl and I based it all on kind of my time as a teenager and as like a, a, a small, little, small little guy climbing mountains in Vietnam when it was really, really hot in the jungle. I still remember how it smelled, how grumpy I was, how much I hated it. But overall, the experience of climbing a really high mountain and going to a temple uh, and just the the I, sometimes I talk about being spiritual. Um, that so, seems kind of right. But really, it was just like a whole body experience that just well is always so vivid for me. So I said, hey, let's take that experience and let me tell my own story through what I think is actually a pretty fun dungeon where you kind of solve puzzles in the middle of combat. Do you, do you think, I mean, I, I love everything about that. I think if anybody, if anybody listening, if you have the opportunity, go climb a mountain. Go, go, go <laughs> yes. Climb. I mean, not right now, social distance, not, not right now, social distance. Well, I think climbing a mountain will be like do it by peak, yourself. Peak social distancing. Um, stay safe though. Um, yes. I think, you know, having these experiences in nature, uh, you know, being able to go somewhere where there are so few people is honestly life-changing. For me, there is a, um, my mountain would be Wadi Rum in Jordan, visiting and camping in this desert valley for the first Ooh. time in my life was, like you said, life-changing. It was this complete full body experience of being somewhere where you know civilization hasn't touched being somewhere where you know that your perspective will be completely unique compared to anybody else who will ever venture there um i really like that you you chose that i want to ask though like do you think that you could port your adventure into our dungeons and asians Ooh, that's a really or, good question or i mean it doesn't have to do that or do you think you would want to run this for perhaps a live stream on our Twitch channel? 
Ooh, I think I would love to run it. That'd be a lot of fun for me. Would it fit in Dungeons and Asians? As of right now, oh, this is going to make me sound bad. As of right now, no. And the reason is because there's no Vietnam allegory right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the adventure really sits. Um, That's what I was hoping you'd say. Okay. Wow. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, (laughs) Well, no, I was hoping you'd say that because I I think the the point I'm trying to lead us to is that, you know, while these adventures are kind of setting agnostic, they're not thematically or experientially agnostic. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I could flip to the other way, if you just had a D and D campaign with your friends and you're having a good time and you really like my adventure, you want to throw it in there. I think that would really fit, but I think you have to acknowledge that, you know, it's written from the perspective of this is a village at the bottom of a mountain in Vietnam. So if you know, you don't really have that, it might feel kind of weird, which is normal. That'd be what you expect. Like without spoiling anything, why, why would it feel weird? So the adventure starts off in like a village at the bottom of the mountain um, where you have all these villagers who really, really like the monks at the top because the monks not only come down and protect them and what have you, um, they're just like good friends with them. They just happen to be the people that live at the bottom of the mountain and the monks live at the top. Um, and the monks are, I think at first glance, they would feel like Shaolin monks were like, oh yeah, they you know fight and they train and that kind of stuff. But really, they're up there to to find themselves. And over the course of the adventure, you actually save a lot of the monks. And I have paragraphs, like one or two sentences about each one of them and why they came to the temple. So a lot of them are like, I think one of them is like an ex-military person who was like, I don't want to be part of the army anymore. I'd like to find something about myself. And I'm here in the temple to do it with other like-minded folks. Mm-hmm. Some other people are like, I'm very young and I just feel confused and I don't know how to deal with my emotions. So I'm here. Um, and it just kind of, there's like a whole variety of monks here. And that's really how I see monks. Monks are just people. So, right. Rather than what D and D kind of shows them to be. Yeah, them yeah. Not everyone's seeking the purity of mind and body. <laughs> some people just <laughs> need some time. And that's, yeah, that's absolutely, that, I think that's great. But also one of the reasons why it's kind of like a weird setting to throw into any Eurocentric D&D campaign is because the last boss in it, uh, this is kind of spoilery, but the last boss in it is a very uh, thinly veiled allegory for Catholicism. Uh, so you kind of fight Catholicism and then beat it <laughs> um, using the monks punching it really hard, which is uh, Use, using the monks <laughs> punching it very hard. Yeah. So I wasn't I wasn't very subtle that last part in retrospect. But I mean, there's a lot of history of violence oppression uh when it comes to buddhism and catholicism in vietnam and i wanted to without going too deep into it express like some of the frustrations that i felt about not knowing you know growing up in north america and canada where it's a large catholic christian society and feeling Mm -hmm. that that you know tension because i know a lot of people in vietnam had a lot of problems with it so far as that they would self-immolate to protest the treatment of people who are buddhist Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what you're saying is, I mean, aside from that, I think what you're also saying is that we got to run this on stream. Absolutely. When when cons are <laughs> available too, I will run it at cons. It'll be great. Yeah. Because you're going to be, like you said earlier, like you're just going to be carrying a copy of this all around with you until it's eventually like beaten and broken. You're going to be like, buy unbreakable. I'm thinking of buying like a really heavy chain and wearing it like Flavor Flay did with a clock. And like, that's what it is. 
Well, you know what you could do? You can get like some sort of custom make uh, like a plastic case for it. And then you'd put that around the chain so it would protect the book. <laughs> this is very complex. But yes, I will figure this out. I will always have a copy on me. Yeah, I think oh, that'll be really cool. So I'm just, dude, I'm I'm super proud of you. And I'm super happy that you know, you got this opportunity. It, it honestly felt really good. I, I was tweeting about it earlier where I was saying, you know, I put a lot of work into it. And kind of after this is all said and done, reflecting back on it, that work was really good for like Steve. Like at the end of it, I just feel really good about having done this. I felt like I've expressed something about myself that I generally don't express that often. Like even being part of this podcast, uh, I don't write too, too much. But here I've kind of designed an experience that speaks to my own, which is uh, dope. <laughs> it's dope. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah, I mean like I think what's neat is that you know, we we got to meet so many people in the sort of the Asian D&D community through this project. Like even if I didn't get to write anything, even if I, you know, didn't edit anything or you know, heaven forbid draw anything cuz we know that I can't draw. Um I was just grateful to be able to meet so many awesome people here. Like I've had some incredible conversations here. And honestly, like when that Mystic East thing happened, the entire Unbreakable team, the entire Unbreakable Discord was a light. Like everyone was talking about it. How how could we best engage with this? Um, It was honestly super cool. And it's honestly what I eventually hope we'll get with Asians Represent. Yes. And... You know, that that sort of community, that tight knit community of people. But, you know, we also got a whole bunch of Asian creators who I now would love to involve on our Dungeons and Asians writing project. You know, that campaign setting, right? Because now I know who to hire. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And oh, like even just like flipping through and just like reading synopses and things like that, the diversity of those Asian stories does my heart so well. Like I'm, we've been reading Oriental Adventures. This whole like pan Asian uh, BS is oh, tiring, is very tiring. And the opposite of that, like energizing me is reading like these Southeast Asian things, these stories based on like Cambodian culture and, and history and things like that. Like, oh, I love it. I know. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, particularly I'm looking forward to like the Vietnamese content, mostly because I've never seen anything like that in a D&D product and I really want to you know I'm not, I'm not gonna lie I really want to read it and then ask you a ton of questions about the nuances of the different adventures yeah yours in particular like I really want to do that because I think you know as we go and eventually in like 30 years finish reading oriental adventures <laughs> uh, we should look into things that are really good and positive Right, I think it'd be weird if we read through Unbreakable because we contributed to it. Um, but you know, when future versions of Unbreakable, when when Vol- Unbreakable Volume Two comes out, I really look forward to sitting and reading as a consumer and seeing what this book will teach me. Because Unbreakable Volume One leans very heavily towards you know East Asia and Southeast Asia. Volume Two, I would absolutely love to see South Asia and Southwest Asia. Yeah. Because I think the only time we really see Southwest Asia 
in mainstream D and D is, I mean, Alkadim, which is Alkadim, tons of problems, and we'll dive into that eventually. But also, when European characters are viewing what is air quotes, the Middle East. It's always from that perspective, that relationship of they are the other or they are the enemy and they are coming for us. Yep. Christianity. Right. Um, So I really want to see stories told from the other perspective. Like I want to see like, I want to see Saladin as a hero. I want to see, you know, I want to see South Asian stories. I want to see, like, I want Amar <laughs> to, to write on volume two. Like, I would love to see an adventure written by Amar because, you know, Amar's experiences, especially when Amar, you know, speaks about them in Dungeons and Asians are just so different from ours. Yeah. And I want to I buy think, a copy for Amar and make him read the Southeast Asian stuff and be like, tell me more. Tell, tell me more, right? Like, I want to see, like, Mariam of the Musafir's podcast, like, yeah. write something for volume two. Like, I, I just, I want more, but I also know that this is not the end-all be-all of Asian D&D books. Absolutely. And I don't say that as a slight. All I'm trying to say is that there are so many experiences, so many themes, so many voices that need to be put to word and Unbreakable is the perfect series for all of those Asian voices. It's going to make me cry. That's so, that's so beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You, you're so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, we could take a, a little crying break, a sobbing break. And we're going to transition into an amazing interview, um, an amazing series of interviews with two writers from Unbreakable. So I'm going to cut to some sort of like cool music and then we'll get into that i'm gonna start recording now just in case (laughs) because that's a good call because i we just missed god like five minutes of recording gold oh i know not only because i think it's like great content but i think it's because it's important content for people to hear and that being said we are into our first interview of this special episode of Asians Represent. Jackie, this is, I mean, I've wanted to have you on the show for a really long time. And I mean, it's a little late now, but I'm glad that we finally, <laughs> you know, made this happen. <laughs> I'm glad because to be here. we weren't really touching D&D. We weren't touching D&D content before. And now that we're doing a lot of D&D stuff, I think this is kind of the perfect time to have you on as you know a very prominent member of you know asian D. <laughs> yeah i i you know if you told me five years ago that this is where i would be i don't think i would have believed it <laughs> yeah yeah you and me both you and me both so do you do you want to do a quick introduction to uh for our listeners who might not know who you are yeah and your sure involvement with unbreakable Sure. Uh, I'm Jackie Leung. Um, I'm better known as Death by Mage on the internet, and I am one of the project organizers for uh, Unbreakable. Also, you were a writer. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was a writer. I was also one of the editors. <laughs> I kind of did a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you did a lot of things. You were, you were one of, yeah, you were, you were project management plus content creation, I think were like the two big yeah. things. Yeah, and I I, I kind of uh, did a little over, a little too much on the content creating part. 
I heard. <laughs> uh, I, I I wrote it. So anyone who happens to have a copy of Unbreakable, um, I am I have apparently the honor of having the longest adventure unintentionally. Like, um, uh, Steve was my editor, so so Steve knows it was unintentional to be this long. This adventure was never supposed to be this long, and it just kept growing. So, so on top of being your adventure my- called, just for the, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are people who are like, why is this one adventure like 50 pages and the rest are 10? But <laughs> what yeah. is your adventure called for those who are just purchasing it now? Um, What was that again? Sorry. What was your adventure called? Oh, my adventure was called The Last Guest. It's the last adventure in the book. It uh, It's a book, it's a story and adventure about a, a Jade Hermit um, who is at the end of their life. They are aware of it and they want to have one last uh, reunion with their best spirit friends who happen to be spirit nobles that represent the 12 animals from the Chinese Zodiac plus one. And um, so the party is uh, tasked to go into this mystical world of the spirits and try to re- uh, reunite all the spirits uh, together for one final big banquet. Um, and along the way, they're going to have to deal with a lot of the problems that the spirits have been dealing with um, that have been mostly internal for them. And then also there is a very mischievous Lord of Cats who doesn't want this reunion to happen at all. So you're kind of vibing off of the the story of the Chinese Zodiac that race yes. across the river, that sort of thing? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I It was deeply inspired by that original story. And then I added a lot of other elements um, because... Um, I wanted to touch on the part about um, passing and inevitability of death. And plus the the one thing that made my, I, I wanted to touch on was introducing a sense of urgency into the game, into the story. And so the time mm-hmm. is actually an important um, aspect of the game of that story um, because decisions and actions actually take up time. And if you don't uh, finish in time, you may not get all the nobles back uh, for that final banquet. Oh dang! I love that. That's one of my one of my favorite stories from like my childhood, and one that I would, you know, always tell my students as a teacher, particularly around New Year's. S- Steve, you were going to say something, and then we cut you off by accident. What, what were you going to say? Uh, I think I was just going to complain about how long this adventure was because on top of my <laughs> <laughs> on top of my first writing like credit, this is also my first editing credit. So I cut my teeth on Jackie's fifty page piece of art. It was wonderful. I loved every yeah, I think, second of it. I think Jackie, yours is yours is maybe five times longer than any of the other adventures. <laughs> Unintentionally, it, like I, I, I told Steve, I, mean, I felt I, I apologized to Steve many times during our editing talks. <laughs> I, I mean, when you like just now, when you said, "Oh, it was based on like the story of the Zodiac and all that," I'd be like, "Yeah, I can see why it's long. <laughs> I can see why it's long." I, I you think have my to number do one... every character justice. Yeah, that was my message. Yeah. It was like, don't cut any of it. You cannot cut this short. You have to go like full bore into this. Yep, yep. And uh, so there's there's twelve. So there's twelve realms for each of the twelve zodiac animals, and they all have their own little mini adventure inside of it. So um, I think we were being a little optimistic when we wrote in the uh, the t- gameplay time. Uh, for yeah, the you wrote adventure, an adventure for a party of four, eighteenth and twentieth level characters running. Six to eight hours. We're, yeah, that's a very <laughs> optimistic time. <laughs> you can hey, technically you, run a whole campaign on it. <laughs> I mean, like, people are going to get, like, 
good ba- good value, good bang for buck when they buy Unbreakable Volume One on Drive Through RPG. You're gonna get several one shots that you could finish in two to three hours, and then you're gonna get a full on campaign that's gonna <laughs> last you at least twelve hours. Yep. <laughs> At least, yeah. I th- and I, and we mentioned that in the uh, how to use the in the how to use the book section because I had to make that f- I had to make that disclosure of the fact that the that it particular adventure was very long. Um, so we didn't want to just be like, okay, these are all great one shots you can interconnect, but this is the longest one that can occupy a whole lot of space by itself and give more a little bit more options. I guess is what we realized. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, I think what's important about that, not just that you, you made a disclosure or that, you know, you were very optimistic with the time it would take to complete it. But I think what's great about your adventure is the fact that, like Steve said, you didn't cut out anything for length. Yes, it's longer than the other ones, but it doesn't fall into one of the pit traps that you see a lot of, you know, Asian content or Asia, I will say Asian inspired with air quotes content mm. falls under is that they are, you know, taking piecemeal from stories that they think are interesting rather than actually giving uh, time and dedicating pages and words to the intricacies of the stories, the nuances of the stories. And so I'm glad you didn't cut it down um, knowing that background on it uh, because that, I mean, this is an important, you know, Chinese story. Yeah. Very important one. Yeah, no, it was a very important one. And when I, when I first thought about it, I wanted to definitely touch, I wanted to create a story that was very iconic and important culturally for, especially for the Chinese people. And I was just like, okay, how can I do this without completely cutting out all the important parts of those stories and mashing it together, making it sound horrible. Um, And so that took, that was the challenge. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's an important story. And you have to give, you know, you have to lend weight to each of the animals that are involved in that story. And I'm really glad that you include the cat, who's very important to that story. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, also as a, as a cat lover myself. Now, I asked Steve this when we were doing sort of a debrief on what we'd like to see in Unbreakable Volume 2. Because, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, Volume 1 is going to be a giant success. Um, it's already at this point number fourteen on hottest small press on Drive Through RPG and number ten on best selling titles. We're hoping that it'll overtake L five R. But I want to ask, like, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on what's going to be what you'd like to see in Volume Two. Like Steve and I already had this conversation privately on what we'd like to see. Uh huh. Well, what is it that you want to see in Volume Two as a consumer? So- Okay, as a consumer, so as a consumer, I would like to see um, definitely still more cultures because I know we didn't get to cover every culture we could um, for the first volume. So I would love to see new writers, new cultures coming in. Um, I would love to actually see um, additionally like the ability. I want to give writers also who create adventures to have um, an ability to add set pieces. And what I mean by set pieces is... Um, places and locations that can actually be used to build and uh, for other adventures. And so like not only have the adventure, but also have the ability to go beyond the adventure and have additional story hooks or build, allow uh, people to build from your one adventure. Those are the big ones I kind of want to see. 
Nice. Yeah, so uh, something more interconnected or something that would lead people to, say, other content that we might produce or right. anybody might produce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we talked about wanting other cultures as well. Can, yeah. Can I can I ask you a really loaded question? Fast sure. forward, fast forward, like however many months, years we need to for Unbreakable Two, and you have the chance to make your own set piece. Jackie, what set piece are you making? Because obviously, whatever your answer is, I'm shamelessly stealing. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And everybody listening to this. Oh man! So funny enough, there was a thought I had recently, and so so. Anyone who reads The Last Guest, there is a section in the story where you go into the spirit realm known as the Misty Wilds. For also my for for uh, my credits, I my I was actually well renowned for another particular book called Journey into the Feywild, and I'm very much into spirits and nature spirits and all that fun stuff. So I would love to really work on the other realms of this kind of world that we're slowly building through Unbreakable, especially the Misty Wilds. That is something that sounds really interesting, unique. And the fact is there's going to be a variety of different kinds of interactions, hierarchies, structures, communities. It's full of just hidden potential. Yeah, Mm. I love that. I would love to have a um, an entire book, and this is and this is just from my selfish desire. I would love to have an entire unbreakable book dedicated to say like Chinese heaven, just that, just that yeah. one particular realm, and all of the drama between all of the gods. I want that. There is <laughs> oh, there's one so much drama in Unbreakable. The, yeah, there's so much drama. There is one adventure in Unbreakable um, that that does that. Uh, I forget which one I edited it too. It was Anthony's uh, adventure. Um, oh, um, I'm uh, trying to remember the name right now. It, it is barely it escapes me today because I've been thinking too many different things. Yeah, um, same here. Um, it, it, it's about the Silver River. In yes, yeah, it's about the Silver I remember River. Now. This guy. Yeah, yeah. Steve, what Steve like? Way, way to ask the most loaded question. <laughs> well, I mean, I got I got mine here, so like I'm happy now. I know what to look out for for Jackie's next published thing. You all heard it. He committed to it. Uh, expect uh, an Asian inspired like Feywild spirit realm thing. I mean, that would that would do super well. It would be super interesting. Like imagine a series of collected volumes that are about the spirit world. Maybe not Feywild because Fey is a right. I, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like Fey is a loaded word. Like it's yeah. very Eurocentric, but a a spirit realm anthology from different cultures, or mm-hmm. a single volume with one example from different cultures, I think would be super cool. Super. Oh super. yeah. And whether whether or not they're interconnected, I think I don't think they need to be connected to be to be honest. But I really like this idea, Jackie, and I'm looking forward to seeing that and or Steve's version of it when Steve steals it. <laughs> Oh yeah, no. Trust me, uh, I've I've already been uh, I I uh, as of today. Um, I already talked talked to Jazz and Caroline, and we are trying to figure out a schedule when to have our next uh, get together and talk for our our future. Um, because it's not just going to be Volume Two. I'm already drafting and coming up with uh, brainstorming ideas for Beyond. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll I'll just comfortably tease that I'm I'm probably over ambitious. And insane, um, but 
if if we decide to do it or at least some of it i think everyone is going to be very um pretty impressed with what we what i came up with <laughs> you, you know what i think it's good to be ambitious i think it's good to be loud i think it's i think it's amazing to just go out there and try to create as many works as possible because there aren't enough i mean it's crazy that unbreakable mm-hmm. is I think it's the first Asian-created anthology of 5th edition content available on the market right now. I Correct believe you wrong. are right. I believe you're right, um, at least for at least at the moment, because I think I know... Didn't we have some other Kickstarters that came out that were Asian um, d or was there, it just other... I think there were some Kickstarters, and there were definitely tons of tons of products on you know, DMs Guild, but mm-hmm. I don't think they all have entirely Asian production teams. I think that's what makes this one really unique. Steve and I were talking earlier saying how, you know, it's just so incredible that we have writers and artists who are all Asian creating something that is truly unique, right? Yeah. The, the experiences, the, the, the motifs, everything is truly Asian. And I love that. Yeah, actually, the one thing that impressed me the most was the amount of love and attention that was in those stories um, that I actually don't get to see often in other products. I mean, sometimes I see the pa- I can definitely see passion in certain projects, but this was, I think, closer to the heart for everyone who wrote and drew and illustrated for us. Yeah, no, definitely, like, very close to the heart. It's, it's more than just, uh, you know, your standard writing gig this is like truly like a a very personal effort now speaking of personal efforts the book is called unbreakable i'm going to ask our next guest this exact same question and i I gave you a little bit of heads up but i want to ask you what what does the unbreakable title mean to you um so to me that title what it represents is resilience in the face of adversity despair, everything that could be thrown at you from the world, the universe, people, and still holding true to your values, your integrity, and your will. And it was a personal lesson. It was a personal lesson I learned um, early on when I started writing was um, being consistent about my writing, keep getting better. And no matter what people say, at least for the negative stuff, ignore what the negative stuff, work on what's the construct, the constructive stuff and just try to keep paving your road for your road ahead. Um, and never forget who you were and to always make sure to do your best to, um, give help if you can and support others when you can. Um, because we're all in this together anyways. And, you know, we all deserve to have a shot at doing something great. Damn. Wow. <laughs> Damn. Oh, I'm wow. very passionate about this. Trust me. I can rant yeah. about it for days. Dang. So, I mean, wow. How do you, how do you come back from that? So, okay. <laughs> how do you come back from that? So we definitely have to, we got to have you on this on, on like the podcast or a stream with us. Yeah. again. If you're down. Like, Oh, Steve yeah. and I are reading through Oriental Adventures, page I by saw. page. <laughs> I'm so oh. sorry for your pain. 
I've read that many times Maybe. before too. It hurts. It hurts. And if and if you want us, if you want to join us in that suffering, oh yeah, let us know. I, I, I'm 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 a, I'm a very I, I'm a very uh, masochistic person to myself. Uh, so I I lo- I just love to heart. I I don't mind that. Um, it's kind of entertaining too because um, some I remember reading the first Oriental Avengers from second edition, and oh. Oh man, and then reading three point three point five was was a, they removed a lot of the content, but it's still there. <laughs> and, it's, oh man, it's still there. But I think what they did even worse was that they decided to put a lot of art in it. Yeah, and that that they sure did. <laughs> that they sure did, and the art you know just adds another layer of, oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so you'll have to join us. Oh yeah. So before yeah. we before we end this, like I want to ask like. If the listeners aren't already aware of you or aren't already following you online, where can they find you on the internet? Where can they where can they buy your shit? All right, so you can find me on Twitter at Death by Mage. I'm also on Instagram at Death by Mage. Uh, you can definitely find Unbreakable on Drive Through RPG. Um, you can also find a lot of my works under Jackie Lee Young on DMs Guild. Um, I am expanding out of D and D starting soon. Um, so that's a, that's a nice thing. And then, um, I'm also on itch at deathbymage.itch.io. Nice. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us for, I, I hope not the first episode of Asians represent that you'll be on. And I hope we have you on again because I'm, you know, you have a lot of insight. You have a lot of, oh, I almost said wisdom. You have a lot of insight. You have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> see this oriental adventures reading that we're doing with steve is just messing me up um actually have a lot of i should tell you i should tell you something a caveat for the listeners so my middle name actually translates from chinese to billions of knowledge okay well you have you have billions of knowledge (laughs) (laughs) shit that sounds so bad you have a ton of knowledge some might say you have billions of it you have billions of it um you should join us again for another episode or perhaps join us uh in a live stream game of some of these unbreakable adventures oh yeah that'll be great (laughs) we'll we'll just clear we clear six hours and we'll do last guess because that's all it takes to play through right oh yeah what if we speed run it speed run it speed run run it baby (laughs) i'm in i'm in well, well, you know what we could do if we ever decide to do an Asians represent extra life like stream, we know exactly which <laughs> D&D adventure is going to give us like at least 30% of that 24 oh hours. Yeah, and the, yeah, Let's most of it. that airtime. <laughs> yeah, most most of that airtime and by the by by the time we actually finish the adventure, we're going to be like dead tired and we're going to have to switch up the cast entirely. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be like literally like okay, backup cast. We're, we're, go in, get in. We need a we need a nap. We need to, we need food. We need to tap out, and I need to never hear about these thirteen animals for at least three months, which would right. take me which would take me to Chinese New Year's. Exactly, <laughs> to take me to Chinese New Year's. So, Jackie, thank you for joining us for this very quick interview. But we will definitely see more of you on the podcast. Yes, I'd love to come back. That'd be great. <laughs> Let's awesome. do it. Let's bring your billions of knowledge. Billions of knowledge. So I thought, so I thought, so I thought I needed.
Okay, we, we're, we're, we're back with another interview. We just interviewed Jackie Leung, sort of the project, one of the project managers, one of the authors and editors of Unbreakable. And now we have Colette Kwok, who is one of the writers. Colette, like, welcome to Asians Represent. And I'm, I'm so happy that we, we got to, you know, have you on the show and have you talk about your work. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background when it comes to D&D and then eventually on your adventure feeding the river? Oh, I'm really happy to be here. I've just like been listening to your podcast like all the time. So I'm just like, oh, yes, I want to be on it now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but a well, little bit. my heart. <laughs> yeah, I just anything about Asian representation, especially in like games. I'm just like, yes, absolutely. Um, but a background in me and uh, Dungeons and Dragons is I actually been I like heard about Dungeons and Dragons growing up, but I was under the assumption just like, oh, it's just an old nerdy thing that people did. Um, but I didn't actually start playing or getting really involved with it until college. Um, I actually took a class on history of digital games and we had a section on like um, D&D and just talking about how that structure played into like digital games. So that was super interesting. And then a lot, it's just a couple of my friends who are also in that class were just like, let's play. Um, so we kind of all just learned how to play very, just buying the books and just reading it and taking like five hours to make characters. Um, but throughout college, I was playing in different campaigns with the same people. Um, it did get to the point where I think um, like, like my final year in college, um, we just kind of fell apart because of a lot of just BS stuff happening and, um, not to get into it. It was just, it was just really random, um, and personal dis- issues with, between people. Um, so it was actually like a really, really bad time. I just like, I hate D and D now. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> valid, then, valid, uh, but go on. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually, it's one of the, it's, I don't know if this rule ever came up, but it's like never, the player should never date in a group, like out of, out of game wise, they should never date. And that's the reason, and it's the perfect case study of why you shouldn't do I it. I had a group fall apart because of that too. Yeah. Well, honestly, part mostly it's because of communication, but you know, you know, don't, you know, it was a fun time. Um, but then I actually, but then I graduated. So I graduated in at from UC Santa Cruz in 2018. Um, I actually graduated with a film degree, but literally just late in like, I think my third year, I was just like, I don't want to do film anymore. I liked it, but I just, I don't think, I didn't think it was my place. Um, but luckily there was like a game design program. Um, so I kind of just tagged along with the the graduating seniors uh, there. Um, so I had an interest in like game design and I was just like, okay, I graduated. I guess I'm going to go find a job. And then eventually I couldn't find anything. Um, my portfolio wasn't that good at all. And I had, didn't have a really good background in it. Um, but eventually I actually got into D and D again because of um, uncaged. And I think a lot of us on this project got into writing, uh, at least for adventures in D and D through um, Uncaged, um, and it, Uncaged was actually my first uh, adventure that I 
published and wrote. And actually it's very, I wouldn't say similar, but it was just like, it tied a lot to the same themes as feeding the river uh, where it tied on, it tied with um, Southeast Asian culture, specifically um, Cambodian culture for me. Um, Just because it was an idea that I always had um, in my head. Um, And I just wrote it out and I kind of just writing it. I just was, fell back in love indeed with D and D to the point where, you know, I was just like, this is what I want to do. I was just, I think with Uncaged, I kind of just got into learning about, you know, I really like analog games and I really like tabletop RPG and I just continued doing it. Um, We have like a very, very bad, vicious cycle of if one person has an idea, we're just like, yeah, let's, let's do it. There's so, there's so many projects that Uncaged creators like put, um, put together and released obviously unbreakable is one of them as and as soon as i think jackie brought it up in our discord server i was like um this is exactly what i want um because i think it blends my interests of both fantasy um and writing with like my interest in like asian issue like asian american issues or like just kind of like asian diaspora issues and talking about um how we how people from Asia, like the, the diaspora of Asia, and, uh, how, kind of just how they interpret their own culture and their own like anse- ancestry, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's, I, I mean, Steve, we were talking earlier about how important it is that Unbreakable was written and illustrated by an Asian team. Absolutely. Yeah, like so important. Yeah, I, okay, first of all, your education, you 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 got to do a class that involved D and D. I feel like I <laughs> seriously missed out on would, on having the right education. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily D and D, but it was just kind of like we learned about the history of just digital games and a section with that. But actually, now um, a professor now is teaching a lot of just tabletop uh, games. I actually, um, when because I work currently uh, work at on at UC Santa Cruz. Um, I actually was invited to talk about Uncaged and in a tabletop RPG uh, adventure writing class. So it was really cool just seeing like the progression of like how um, tabletop and just has really just become more prominent that besides just like video games. Well, that's yeah, so prominent. Cool. And yeah, that's amazing. It, I mean, if you said that to me like five to 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh, this is like, something that would be on community at Greendale College, like writing your <laughs> D&D adventures, right? But like, this is a legitimate thing now. Like, I mean, a, a project like Unbreakable can now serve as a really great tool for Asian representation in games media, but also just general storytelling. It It's so incredible. So we know how you got into D&D. Um, you got a really cool college education, like I'm honestly, I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> um, but like, so feeding the river is a Cambodian adventure. Yes. Uh, so I'm. I have an interesting kind of like cultural background. So I'm ethnically Chinese. Uh, my parents were. Uh, my parents are kind of from the southern region of China. Um, but my dad was actually born and grew up in Cambodia, um, and. 
I didn't know much about it. Um, honestly, I just knew that like he was from there. He would just say like, "Yeah, I was from Cambodia and I left." Um, because he it was during the time of the Khmer Rouge, so it was mm-hmm. a very very traumatic experience. Um, he luckily left um a couple like maybe like right before like the regime took like took over um so he was able to kind of escape the like kind of like the the worst of it um but you know i think because of that and because of the people who who he lost specifically like his parents and i think the oldest the the oldest two siblings like it's the idea that they like him and the like him and his surviving like family like they kind of just assume that they're dead like they don't actually have a definite answer if they're alive or not which i think is a lot of people i think a lot of like cambodian people have that idea like they kind of just assume a lot of people have died during the khmer rouge but they don't have a uh, like a definite answer if they're alive or not um and i think because of that it kind of like my dad has kind of actively blocked out just Cambodian culture. I remember we actually went to Cambodia when I was, I think in, when I was like 12 or 13. Um, And I think when we were leaving, he told me, this is the last time I'm ever coming back here. Oh my God. Um, And it was, I, I think it was like, he just wanted to show me where he grew up and like, kind of like the touristy places but he was like, I don't think I want to come back here. Um, I think he mentioned recently that he might want to, but I think it's just hard with that kind of history, as well as like, there's also issues of a lot of like corruption um, going on in the government. Um, but just, I think it's just a really, really hard place to go back to because there's nothing, at least. There's some good that came out of it, but like I think one of the main points was that was the Khmer Rouge for him. Wow. So, so did did any of your familial experiences translate into this module you wrote? Um, so it was an interesting thing of how I wrote this adventure. Um part of it is because I don't have a really really good relationship with my family in terms of like um like talking to them constantly like having like a very like good bond with them like I think I my relationship with my family is very much the very traditional Asian where Asian family where it's like I'm the child they're the parent we just kind of interact (laughs) but it's not having very like meaningful deep conversations um Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it was just hard also with my dad just not really wanting to bring up Cambodia a lot. Um, I kind of would ask him a little bit about just the Khmer language. Um, but honestly, all, most of my research I did on my own um, with kind of just my dad being like, is, with, with, my, with me asking my dad, oh, is this correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... One of the main things that I kind of drew in uh, from my experiences into this adventure was just kind of like the general idea of um, the of like Cambodian culture because I think 
um, a lot of people do kind of associate Cambodia with the Khmer Rouge, um, right. which is something which is an important part of the of like the history of Cambodia. But I think a lot of like um, the general like things in the past of like wh- like stuff before the Khmer Rouge about like the culture and the different empires and like the architecture and like kind of like their belief system kind of just is in the background. Um, I actually heard, I actually was watching this documentary, which is, this is kind of like a tangent, but um, where they had like, there's, I watched this documentary about rock and roll culture and like the rock and roll scene in Cambodia. It's called um, Don't Think I've Forgotten and it's great, but that's my short tangent. Um, But there's a lot of, but kind of just coming back is that there's just a lot of like culture um, that is differently um, separated from the Khmer Rouge um, that I just really wanted to go into. Um, and especially I think it's worth looking into because um, the Khmer Rouge did try to erase a lot of the culture as well, just so they can start anew. Um, so a lot of the culture was either destroyed and or a lot of it was through oral tradition passing down from like one generation to another. And obviously a lot of people didn't make it out. So it's kind of like, how do we find this? And this and also the adventure I wrote in Uncaged were kind of like, kind of like a self-study of what Cambodian culture meant to me. Um, so I in, I introduced a lot of the Naga in uh, Feeding the River, um, as well as Apsaras, which are like... Um, they're dancing spirits that um, are kind of like benevolent, and there's a lot of it um, in in the architecture of like traditional like Cambodian art. Um, and I think what was really interesting um, for me was designing like this kind of mini game. It was a very, it's a very for me it was an experiment because I think it was a very different take on traditional like D and D because it was a word vocabulary game tied with images. Yep. Mm. So it was, I think it's um, like, (laughs) so in the, in the section that I had, it was, um, you're actually performing a dance with the Opsaras. Um, Obviously (laughs) you can't be, you can't learn how to dance (laughs) in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, the main part when I was re- researching about like traditional Cambodian dance was that a lot of the hand movements and um, because most of the dance, uh, most of the dances are using their hands is that each that a lot of the hand movements symbolize um, a specific piece of nature. So there is like, um, I think there is one, uh, one like hand movement that symbolizes like water and like another one that symbolizes like the growth of the, the growth of a plant. So I thought I was thinking of that and like, how would I turn that kind of idea into like a game version of it? Or like, just how do I turn into, how do I translate that into a a game? Um, And so I ended up thinking about, okay, well, I'll draw, I'll have these pictures, um, which I drew painstakingly because I don't know how to draw. Okay. And <laughs> um, and from those pictures, I 
tied them to certain words. So I had a fish, I had um, a tree, I had water. Yeah, that's um, on the handout, right? Yeah. They, with the they, look great. they look great, by the Honestly, way. Honestly, they look really great. That, is that a cat? Is that a catfish? Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's very clearly a catfish. Thank you. I may have gotten help from a friend who was like, does this, can you help me draw a fish? Because I ended <laughs> up drawing like a goldfish and I'm like, this ain't it. <laughs> this is not it. How yeah, to, definitely okay. not the same fish. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up like, I ended up, uh, translating those. So the catfish is off is actually um, funny enough. I, when I was doing research, there's like a there's like a folk tale or like a like a myth of like a giant catfish that swims in the Mekong River, like a giant catfish. And people and it's like it's the equivalent to like a, a cryptid to some people in the area where there's Ooh, just a giant cool. catfish. So I was just thinking, I was just thinking like yeah the fish. Like a prominent fish is a catfish, so I ended up just drawing a catfish. Um, but from those, I turn obviously like each of them are tied to like fish, water, plant, fruit. Yeah. And from that, I translated those words into Khmer. Whoa. Um, wow. So it was hard because I I use Google Translate and then I asked my dad. <laughs> He doesn't really use, he doesn't really speak Khmer anymore, but like, luckily it's like basic vocabulary in the sense that like, I'm not asking him to translate like academic Entire texts. Prose. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, is this what water is? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> wow. I, I just, I, you know, what's interesting, like Steve and I, we've, we've talked about a total of, you know, four adventures this, this evening, like ours, Jackie's, and then yours and they are all so incredibly different not 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 just in theme but in how they they play like honestly like your story about this has me completely enthralled like like i i love this i love like the map i love the art i especially love that one particular piece that's on page 32 of the document and it's of three i'm assuming that that's supposed to represent the players on a boat and swimming next to them is that a naga yes so i love that, that one first thank you for really enjoying my story i love the validation <laughs> <laughs> um it's it reads a lot because just like i think anytime i mean i think um you might relate just putting something out, just being like, is this good? Am I enthralling anyone? Am I, do people actually like feel a lot with like, or can relate with the story? And I'm really glad that you did. But, um, but no, yeah. I think it's I, awesome. Thank you. But, um, but um, the, the art piece. Uh, yeah. I actually, um, Kari, uh, who was the, who was my artist, um, sent me a couple of still of like, just storyboard or like basic sketches and that one and also the other spot art that she created which was like little spirit blobs um they the 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 naga swimming one was just like i want that one in my piece um and it just kept on getting better and better yeah it, i think it's dope yeah i think it's awesome wow wow steve do you have any questions 
Uh, no, I, I just want to gush. I just want to gush. I just want to gush. I'm, I think I'm, I'm think. so <laughs> I'm so happy that you kind of like shared your story about like how your your relationship with your your family is and like the relationship with the country and and, and what have you because I I think you need you you should know that like that story hits so close to me as a first generation Vietnamese Canadian because I don't get along with my parents very well. We we meet in person three times a year on very specific days uh, for these holidays. That's it. I go with, I go months without speaking to them. And that's just like normal kind of, is it normal? Who knows? But it's normal for us. It's normal um, for you. And like, even the idea of like going back to your parents, be like, am I pronouncing this right? And getting kind of like answers that you don't really expect. Like, don't you speak this language? And then it, that like confusion that working through it, that just kind of like, here's where we are and we're just going to make the best of it. I'm really stumbling through my words because I think everything you just said really like really hit close to, to my own experiences and to pull this all the way back to uh, feeding the river here. I mean, just having someone like a creator out there who has an experience that's even just remotely similar to mine, writing an adventure and then reading through the adventure and just understanding that, you know, we share something together. That's super, super powerful. So, I mean, huge, huge thank you for all the, the work and the time and the effort that you put into that because it's all seen by me, at least. I really appreciate it. I think when I when I first saw the project, I knew that I think uh, like what we put out and I think all the create like all of us in the team just understood our ventures or at least the, the place where we're coming from. Because, yeah, I noticed that like a lot of people just have this kind of disconnection with their own culture and like they can't really just go up to their family and just say hey can you just tell me this entire thing about this um part of it is because you know uh our histories or like a lot of cultures that we have are oral like are passed down orally rather than having written having it written down and researched mm-hmm. i think and also tied with the fact that like you know our relationships with our family is just different um or like people can just consider it non-traditional or whatever and i think which is really interesting because i like i specifically say that i'm not ethnically cambodian um because it was a it was kind of like a quandary i had for like a long time because I was like, I feel connected to Southeast Asian culture and like Cambodia, but I'm not ethnically Cambodian. And I actually had a conversation with um, a professor who was also, who is um, Cambodian. And he, and I just asked him like, what do I like, am, what I, should I even be considering myself tied to this era? And he's like, yeah, you are because you have experiences there. I, I absolutely love when you know ttrpg you know games you know writing assignments and not even just work but just the act of playing a game can really you know help us explore our identities and our cultures and often you know connect us to those cultures i i think without D, you know i would probably have completely you know abandoned a lot of the you know traditional chinese culture and the ancient chinese culture that i worked on when i was in graduate school ever since i you know i dropped out of school um 
And I feel like D&D kept me connected to that work, to that other life that I had. And I mean, my experience with my family is completely different than both of yours. But I think the three of us share the experience of, you know, connecting to something personal in Unbreakable. Yeah. Like, yeah. absolutely. Now, man, I, I just want to keep talking for like another couple hours. <laughs> and yes. I think we should on, and I, we said this to Jackie too, I think we should on another episode of, you know, Asians Represent or even one of our live streams. Um, Colette, uh, I have one question for you. Before yes. I ask you, Steve, do, Steve, do you want to ask the question? I think you should. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take this up. I don't care how nervous I am, how gushing I am, how emotional I am. I'm going to ask this no, question. I, see, see, Steve, I, I like it when, when you, you are like this because you ask such insightful things. I am not going to say wisdom again. Billions of knowledge. Um, <laughs> I want – Steve's going to ask you a question and then we're both going to ask you um, – you know where we where people can find you on the internet. Then all of us are going to do a big Asians represent when we when we end. You're gonna you're gonna close out the episode with us. But first, I want Steve to ask you this question. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you a very cheesy question. I love this question. It's super cheesy, and I hope you just like lean into it. But Colette, the anthology we just wrote and published is called Unbreakable. What does Unbreakable mean to you? Oh boy, don't worry. The- it's not cheesy. We're leaning into it. We got this. <laughs> Sweet. I, I, I mean, like, I'm I'm not really emotional and on the verge of tears now. You are. <laughs> well, unbreakable means to me, I think, like, we, I think, especially now in the current times, I think it takes on a really, really stronger meaning. Um like we, I know we were talking earlier um, about this, um, but like with what's going on with like the epidemic um, and like obviously a lot of anti-Asian racism just going yep. around. Yep. Um, I don't even want to say anti-Chinese because I think at this point, everyone's just lumping us all together, which is a standard at this point. Um, and I think right now, I think the Unbreakable coming out around this time, I think is Honestly, I think it was one of like a really perfect time as odd as that sounds. <laughs> but I think we're resilient people. I think um obviously talking to me now uh about it like my family came from a lot of hardship, a lot of moving around. Obviously my dad just came like escaped a, like a genocide. And I think it's just persevering and being resilient, which is something that I I think I took on even like subconsciously just being resilient and just kind of like not being uh, is being unbreakable. Um, I had there was a lot of things that happened. Um, I think a lot of changes happened recently. Obviously, me jumping around from career to career. Um, I didn't mention this earlier, but um I am now, I recently accepted um, an MFA uh, degree at USC for game design. Congratulations. Thank you. And I think um, it's the person, like for me, I was like, trust me, looking at that application, I was like, do I even want to do this? It was a lot. Um, But I kind of just went through it and now I'm here. Also massively in debt, but we're not going to talk about that. 
No, no, we're not going to talk about that. Jeez. Steve, how are you doing? Steve, you okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. It's Thank you for sharing. Uh, uh, can, we, can we outro this? Can we? Yeah, okay, yeah we're going to outro. Okay. Oh, so, should, I, should I say where I am? Where yeah, I am? yeah, no, please, please. So please, Steve, please, Steve, please. Steve, okay. Yeah, I'll together. take over. We got this. Okay, yeah. I'll take over. Uh, it's like, yeah, I'm Asians represent. Okay, Colette, where can people? Sorry, Colette, where can people find you on the internet? Well, um, I'm mostly on Twitter at Colette Quack. Uh, C- so C O L L E T T E Q U A C H. I do my best to be active on there. Either I just spout absolute nonsense, or I just don't use my Twitter for like a week, which is recently that's been me. <laughs> you know what? That's uh, okay. Cause this is a, this is a tough time to be, you know, Asian on the internet and Asian out in public. Let's be honest. Yeah. I think even going out, I'm just like, do I want to go out? But I'm hungry and I want food and groceries. I feel you. I feel but, you. Yeah. You can, I'm mostly, I'm mostly on Twitter um, in terms of like who, where you can interact with me. Um, I obviously have talked about Uncaged, uh, which is something that's on DMs Guild. I'm in volume three and volume four. Uh, volume four, I'm in the appendix as just, I wrote, um, I actually wrote a Yukiona uh, as a character stat block, just because I cool. was like, that's the cover, might as well. But um, I also have writings in uh, a diverse NPC book uh, called F- Friends, Foes, and Other Fine Folks. Um, also, I wrote a character based on um, fruit vendors, like Asian fruit vendors from like on the street <laughs> stalls. Yeah. Uh, um, and actually, Nikki, who was one of the who was one of our artists, um, actually illustrated that character. Um, That's awesome. Um, and also, my final plug um, is Book of Seasons uh, Solstices, which is um, I, which is just basically adventures based on the seasons. Um, I actually wrote a tier four adventure kind of just based around, um, I think, Chinese and Taiwanese culture very vaguely. But I did a lot of like research in like yin, um, the, just the yin yang philosophy on that one um, because it's tier four. We got to we got to put in some a lot a lot of moral quandaries in that one. too. You, you, you must. Absolutely. It so, was oh it was God. a lot. Oh, that's that's so amazing. Now, I love it. You know, Asians represent, we feature a lot of Asian creators from different backgrounds and different styles of gameplay, not all D&D. Now, if if you've been listening to this episode and you've purchased, I I hope so, Steve, myself, Colette, and Jackie, we hope you've purchased uh, your copy of Unbreakable on DriveThroughRPG.com. But if you're an Asian creator, it doesn't matter if this is your fifth game. It doesn't matter if this is your first project or you've never published anything before like steve if you have an idea if the unbreakable team wants to give you a voice if you would like to participate in future volumes of unbreakable and you are an asian writer artist editor head to unbreakablerpg.com scroll to the bottom of the page and there's a link that says interested in getting involved fill out this form click that link and involve yourself on the next volumes of unbreakable because I seriously hope that we'll, we'll be able to do more interviews like this with more Unbreakable Volume creators and play more of these games on a live stream. I now want to play this Cambodian adventure because 
I admittedly know nothing about Cambodian culture and I want to learn more from your perspective, Colette. Steve, I yeah. think I think we just got to do an entire Unbreakable stream on our Twitch now and yeah. just play through a whole bunch of these. Absolutely. Yeah. On Fridays, yeah. we dunk on Oriental Adventures and on some other day, we go through the Unbreakable uh, one shots, hundred percent. Yeah, we can we could get the different unbreakable like writers to GM their. Yeah, you know what? That's what we're gonna do. But <laughs> we gotta close. We gotta. Sorry, oh Colette, you guys signed up. Oh no, so, Colette, we just signed you up for this. This is gonna happen. <laughs> I I've played as a player on stream. I was thinking of D, of like GMing one, but I'm like, oh my god, that's way too much pressure. But let's. <laughs> I so tell you, tell you what, I will GM it. And at the end of it, we'll do a debrief. How about that? I mean, I'm willing to take the swing at it, but oh my god, I just... <laughs> you know what? We'll you think about this. it. You yeah. got this. You, you got this. I, yes. Yeah, you you definitely got this. I, I just want to remind everyone that, you know, there's this great quote, and it says that if the world is cold, make it your business to build fires. And... Unbreakable Volume 1 is our fire in this very, very cold world right now yeah. for Asians in North America and all over the world, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also like to plug in in terms of like get like going back to your thing about getting involved. Um, yeah. If this is coming from a very personal standpoint or like just per very personal for me, if you're just worried about am I good enough or like this idea of imposter syndrome or just like am I good enough? Just do it. I think that's what I was feeling when I submitted my pitch for Uncaged like a year and a half ago, like in October of 2018. I was terrified. Um, and obviously, I think that jump, that push got me up to here. Um, and just putting yourself out there, I think if you're doubting yourself, don't. Just put it out there and we're a very great community and we will support you no matter what. Indeed. So again, that's unbreakablerpg.com and just scroll to the bottom of that page. And if you haven't purchased your copy of Unbreakable Volume 1, head to Drive Through RPG. At the time of recording this episode, Unbreakable is number 14 on Hottest Small Press and number 10 on the bestseller list. So get your copy of Unbreakable. We got to beat out Legend of the Five Rings. <laughs> we gotta we gotta yes, that's, that's a personal goal of mine so we're gonna do a little bit of outro now okay and i want to involve both of you in this outro we've never done a virtual one so we'll see how this goes so okay. i first like to thank you know steve for being a guest co-host and colette and then of course jackie for joining us for this episode of asians represent and thank you listener for tuning in Asians Represent is a part of the One Shot Podcast Network. If you head to oneshotpodcast.com, you can listen to a variety of amazing podcasts, like one of my favorites, The Broadswords, an all-woman actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast focusing on roleplay, narrative, and diversity at the gaming table. If you have any questions about this episode's theme, the games discussed, and I, by games, I mean adventures discussed, or anything else related to Asians Represent, you can get in touch with us on, we're on so many things right now, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube at AZNS Represent. You can check out our Friday night streams of Steve and I being masochists and reading through Oriental Adventures AD&D at twitch.tv forward slash AZNS Rep. Or you can send us an email at AZNS Represent at oneshotpodcast.com. I'm Daniel. I'm Steve. There you go. 
Oh, and Colette. I'm, and I'm Colette. <laughs> and you've just listened to Asian Asians represent. represent. Damn it. <laughs> we tried. <laughs> you know, yeah.